This is Mana for Your Soul podcast, a podcast of the lead pastor of Tucker United Methodist Church in New Jersey, Reverend Jason Rios. We hope that today's words bless your life. Where is the seventh chicken? Where is the seventh chicken? You know, I asked that question multiple times as a child as I play one of my favorite video games. It was The Legend of Zelda, The Ocarina of Time. Now, every day after I did my homework, I had a time to play video game, and I would sit down and play this game, and I was stuck in a level where I had to find seven chickens. And days passed, and I could not find the last chicken. I will always find six, but one was difficult to find. And I got frustrated. And I see my son, how he gets a little bit frustrated with his strings as he plays with them. And it reminds me, oh, I was just like that. I got really frustrated and I decided I quit. I'm not going to play this game anymore. And after a week of not playing, I decided to give it a try one more time. And I knew what the other six were, so they were easy to find. And guess what? After a week of coming down and refocusing, I was able to locate the seventh chicken. I passed through the spot multiple times, but I never saw it. She was there. Maybe I just needed to take a break and calm down and refocus so I could a week later redo the level and was able to complete it. Now, video games are one thing, but the game of life is another. And no, I'm not talking about the board game. I'm talking about real life. You know, as I kept growing up as a teenager and a young adult, there were also moments that I needed to refocus that I needed a fresh start. And we can define fresh start as a complete change in your way of life or the way that you do things, especially after you have been unsuccessful. Now, in my life, there has been moments where I was unsuccessful at something. And to move forward, I needed to redo everything. Like the story I share with you about the video game or doing a puzzle or building Legos, but also in real life. The more complicated things in life, like work, relationships, education, there were moments that I needed to do a fresh start. And there are moments in our lives that we need a fresh start, that we need a new attitude, a new way of responding to circumstances. Now, have you ever had to change your perspective on something? You know, in our personal lives, there have been moments where our perspective about something needs to change or needed to change. You know, in society, there have been moments where perspective needed to change. And as a church, we have moments when we have to change perspective about things. There has been moments when we had to let go of something. You know, the church in general is passing 
through our changing times, through challenging times, not just because of the pandemic, but it was already happening because people are finding new ways to engage with the church and society is looking at the church differently. And still, we the church tend to respond in a hesitant way to these changes. No, it is difficult to let go of established ideas or ways of doing things to make room for something new. But sometimes difficult times necessitate a fresh start. Challenging times are ideal to refocus, to refocus and with courage take the necessary steps to grow. It happened to the disciples. Few chapters earlier in Mark 6, John the Baptist, who had come to prepare the way for the Messiah, was killed. And a new leader was needed. And the religious leaders are testing Jesus for a sign that he is or isn't the Messiah. We see that in Mark chapter 7 and 8. And in this chapter, in those verses that Anna read today, Jesus flips the understanding of who the Messiah is and what the Messiah is supposed to do. Jesus has a conversation with his disciples. Who do people say that I am? Well, Jesus, some say you are John the Baptist. Others say you are Elijah. Elijah was the prophet who was predicted to announce the coming of the Messiah. And others think that you are one of the prophets. Then Jesus stops and looked them in the eye and asks one of the most important questions ever asked in the history of the universe. Who do you say that I am? We need to pause right here. Let us imagine Jesus were standing right here in the flesh. And look you straight in the eye and ask you, who do you say that I am? What would you say? Honestly. Now, I'm not asking you to turn to your neighbor, but I just want you to take a couple of deep breaths and think about that right now. Who do you say that I am? Now, Peter gives the correct Sunday school answer. You are the Christ, he says. What do you think the Jewish people were expecting from the Christ? They were expecting a great military leader like King David who will rally an army and overthrow the corrupt kings of Israel and free them from the Roman Empire. What about us? What is our expectation of God, the Messiah, the Christ? You know, most people who flocked to Jesus during his season of popularity just wanted something out of him. They were hungry, so they wanted food. They were sick, so they wanted to be healed. They were oppressed, 
So they wanted someone to, to deliver them. What do we want from God? Do we really know who the Christ is? How Jesus responds to Peter, ah, oh, yes, there is the word again. Now, Peter, I do not think that word means what you think it means. Because the Christ is the human one that must suffer many things and be rejected by elders, chief priests, the legal experts, be killed, and then after three days, rise from the dead. That is what the Christ looks like, says Jesus. And is that what you think a great leader looks like? Now, that's the whole purpose of the Gospel of Mark. And this story helps us to understand what, kind, what God's kind of power looks like in contrast to the world's kind of power. Jesus will teach through words and action who the Christ really is. The power of God is to give up his life for the sake of the world. It is only in weakness that we are strong, and it's only in dying that we can live. And how would you respond to that? And I think maybe our response will be just like Peter. No, I do not accept that, that the Christ is going to suffer and he's going to die. I do not accept that. Because Peter did not expect the Messiah to suffer, and it is resistant to that reality. No one would have expected a Messiah to be rejected by religious leaders and killed, and let alone rise from the dead, nor would anyone have expected that the people's salvation would come this way. So Peter is hesitant. Peter is in denial. Peter is resisting what Jesus is telling him. Peter will not accept that vision of Christ. Now, Jesus' response to Peter's hesitancy is strong. Get behind me, Satan. What? How could Peter be Satan? Now, the word Satan literally means adversary. Anything that is opposed to the ways of God represents Satan. Anything that opposes to God's will, to the ways of God, represents Satan. And Jesus tells Peter, all who want to come after me, must say no to themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. Would you want to follow that? The crowd loved to follow Jesus. There was healing, there was miracles, there was food, there was hope, there was promise. Oh, this is it. A new government, a new kingdom, hope, opportunities. Here is Jesus telling his closest disciples, the 
Messiah is not how you expect it to be. I have to go to Jerusalem to give my life in the cross. And not only that, if you want to follow me there, you must deny to yourself, you must take up your cross also and follow me. Now, would you want to follow that? Everybody wanted to follow the praise and the admiration and the miracles. But here's Jesus telling his closest disciples, we're going to a road that is going to be painful, that is going to be difficult, that is going to be challenging. At the end, it's going to be glorious. I will rise from the dead. That is the hope. But you will have to renounce to some things, to take up your cross and follow me. Are you sure you are up to this? That is a question that sometimes we don't think. Are we sure that we are up to be a follower of Jesus? Of what he means to be a disciple of Jesus? Bonhoeffer said that the gospel is free, but it is not cheap. There is nothing we can do to earn God's love and grace. But if we actually want to walk in the ways of Jesus and make a difference in this world, then we must walk this path. There is no other way. And I like to guess that the disciples were freaked out a little bit by the turn of the events. Things just got real. Now Jesus is talking something deep. Jesus was asking them to take a very challenging, terrifying path. A journey to Jerusalem where he would be executed. Now this glints into the truth of who Jesus is, the Messiah, the one that's going to give his life to save humanity was just what the disciples needed to have hope for this journey. And this new kind of suffering servant Messiah was offering a very big picture, fresh start. It was a fresh start, God's way, not the human way, which made it difficult for Peter to understand. Because Jesus did not suffer simply for the sake of suffering or to be seen as a victim. The purpose of Jesus' suffering was to lift others up, especially those on the outside, the margins, and bring them to healing and fullness of life. We see Jesus in the passages that lead up to this statement, willing to take the risk of relationship with those who are on the outside. Starting the Gospel of Mark, we see Jesus touching and healing a man with a skin disease. We see Jesus healing a man who was paralyzed and forgiving his sins. We see Jesus eating with sinners. So lifting up the marginalized and upsetting the status quo necessarily entail the risk of suffering. It was a risk that Jesus knew and was willing to take for the sake of the big picture, God-sized, fresh start 
he was sent for. So the Gospel of Mark is about expectations and who you are in Christ. The tone of the Gospel is imperative. The time is now. A new thing is happening. I love the Gospel of Mark. I said this is the short story of who Jesus is. Because Luke, you see all the story of Jesus' birth and Matthew. But on Mark, is like, this is Jesus, this is the Messiah, and he's already in problems. But Jesus is announces that to be his followers, people need to be willing to suffer, to take up their cross and follow him. And again, this is not suffering for the sake of suffering. In following Jesus' way of lifting up those on the outside and letting Jesus live in and through us, even when it's not what we might have chosen, we risk and accept the possibility of suffering. Taking up one's cross, pointing to Jesus' final sacrifice leads to salvation. And our being willing to deny ourselves will also lead to life in unity with Jesus. So where in our lives we have been resistant, hesitant, like Peter, to the kind of fresh start Jesus offers? Where we may not have fully understanding on what God is doing and why. Again, the messages we sometimes hear in this world, when you give your life to Christ, there is no promise that your life will be devoid of suffering. Sometimes people say, I'll be going to the church, I'll go to Jesus, and people think it will be like a magic wand, and there will be no pain and not suffering, and everything will be okay because I'm a Christian now. There is no promise. Jesus never promised that we will be devoid of suffering and pain. He says in the world you will have tribulations, but have peace. I have conquered that already. Following Christ can bring difficult and challenging paths. But our hope is that we are not alone in those paths. Jesus is with us. So maybe the invitation this morning as we start talking about a fresh start is also about being honest about our expectations of our faith life. Who Christ is for us. What is Christ asking us to do? How will you be open to taking up your cross? God every day lead us with his spirit, his Holy Spirit, to move into the new thing that he is doing, even if it requires taking up the cross. And sometimes the spirit is inviting us to deny ourselves for the sake of the gospel. And when we're talking about denial, it's about renouncing, about changing, about living behind certain things that separate us from God. 
is renouncing to anything that is opposed to the ways of God. So taking up our crosses to be disciples of Jesus means sometimes willing to take the risk, inconvenient demands on our time. Sometimes following Jesus means a lack of certainty. I don't know what's next. For some, sometimes is embarrassment. People get mocked because they're Christians, sadly, in this world. And sometimes even physical danger. You know, you and I have the privilege of having a house of worship, and we can freely worship in our country, but there are other countries in the world where Christians are persecuted. It is unlawful to have a Bible. Still, there are missionaries and evangelists all over the world putting their lives in danger, their physical lives in danger to preach the gospel of Jesus. They have taken up their crosses and say, I will follow Jesus. You see, there are many ways that we can follow Jesus, but also find that our paths can have challenging times, difficult times. But what it means for you today to follow Jesus? Jesus is the way of life. Jesus is the way to life. And he calls us to make a fresh start in faith. And fresh starts require courage, focus, and practice. I'm going to ask Anna, can you help me out for a moment? There are some wooden cross here. Can you give one to everybody? Sure. Thank you. So you will receive, Anna will, to those that are in the room, Anna will give you a small wooden cross as a reminder today of your commitment to follow Jesus. So you can put it as a keychain, you can put it in a place. Just find a place where you can see it every day and look at it and be a reminder of your commitment of being a disciple of Jesus. A reminder that every day we are invited to renounce, to change, to leave behind certain things that separate us from God. A reminder that we are invited this year to have a fresh start. To have an open heart to a fresh start. To not be so resistant and hesitant to what God is doing in our lives. And to let God's spirit lead you. That cross can be a reminder of your Christian faith. Faith that is open to the newness of God. I would like to finish this sermon with an illustration that I read from Chuck Lawless, that it says. Can Mr. Chuck come out to play? Charlie was pumped because he had just received a new wiffle ball and bat. Here's what we do, Mr. Chuck. I'll stand back here, he said. You throw the ball, and I'll hit it. And I threw the first pitch, and Charlie swung, and he missed the ball by a foot. 
I then threw the second pitch, says Chuck. And Charlie missed again. And the third pitch was no better. Charlie missed worse than ever. By this point, he was exasperated at me. He picked up the ball, fired it back to me, and yelled in his young voice, Mr. Chuck, you're doing it wrong. What do you mean that I am doing it wrong, Charlie? His answer, Mr. Chuck, you're supposed to be throwing the ball where I'm swinging the bat. I laugh at Charlie's answer, and I still laugh inside when I remember that day. What occurred to me days later, though, is that sometimes we treat God the same way, says Chuck. We're willing to follow him as long as his plans meet ours. As long as what he demands fits inside our own box. As long as he's pitching the ball where we're swinging the bat. And that's not the way it works, however. The Almighty God, the creator of the world, the ruler of the universe, does not adjust his pitching to where we're swinging the bat. We are the ones who must make the adjustments. We follow God and do whatever he demands, even if his plans stretch us. And I add to that illustration these words. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. If nobody goes with me, there is no turning back. My cross I will carry. There is no turning back. The world is behind me. Still, there's no turning back. In fresh starts, with no hesitations, I will follow you. Amen? Amen.